This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. I dream of a time when women rest in each other's presence without judgment, comparison, competition, or fear. When we are known and celebrated, when we lay down our shields of protection from the battle, but also from each other, when we can lament without shame and laugh without guilt, when we are one storyline, fierce and lovely women of God. Join me as I talk with fierce and lovely women from around the world. to this short series on the Fierce and Lovely podcast here in July called On the Road, where I take you with me to discover the women that I recently learned about in my travels to Scotland and France. If you missed last week, I took you to Edinburgh, Scotland, and today we are headed to the Scottish Highlands. In this part of Scotland, particularly on the eastern side of the Highlands, the woman who is most well-known and loved is by far Queen Victoria. She was crowned at age 18 and reigned for 64 years through the majority of the 19th century. And she made Balmoral Castle in Ballater, Scotland, her beloved retreat from London. Victoria ruled through some significant change. The 1800s saw industrialization, the um, invention of the steam engine, the decrease of the British monarch's power and the increase in the parliament's power, the advancement of newspapers and photography all led to her being known by the people more than any sovereign before her. And so when you go to Ballater, you just see that. You see the love that the people have for Queen Victoria. But there are other women in this region that deserve recognition. And so right now, I want to take you with me to the North Sea, to Stonehaven, where I discovered the story of some remarkable women. I'm standing next to the North Sea in Stonehaven, Scotland, home to the formidable Dunneter Castle. Records show that the castle was first inhabited, or that piece of land was first occupied in the 5th century when St. Ninian declared it a sacred space. In the late 1200s, building began on the walls and what we now see today as the castle. William Wallace is said to have stormed an English garrison that was there in the late 1200s. It's been a site of mystery and intrigue for centuries. The story that I am most fascinated by, of course, is the story of the women who rescued the crown, scepter, and sword. And I'm going to do my very best to give you some history. Uh, those of you who are true Brits and Scots or true historians, cut me some slack. I have been trying to piece together royal history for the last two weeks of our time here in Scotland. And as all Americans probably feel, it is challenging. But here's what I've kind of come to piece together. Mary, Queen of Scots, is born in the 16th century, late 1500s. And her father has just died when she becomes queen 
I think she's like days or weeks old. And she's whisked away to France to be raised um, in France. And so there's a regent in her place in Scotland. She is married to a French prince and becomes queen consort, but he dies within two years of their marriage. And so at the age of 18, she is a widow and returns to Scotland. It's the first time she set foot on Scottish soil. And she returns and she enters into what she really has not fully understood um, to be the Reformation. And the Protestants who are trying to get rid of the Catholics will marry as a Catholic and has been in Catholic France most of all of her life thus far. And so it's just a really conflictual time in her entire reign, as you probably know from the movie Mary Queen of Scots, is just conflict. And Elizabeth is on the throne in England and feels threatened by Mary, who is the Queen of Scotland. The two nations are not united yet. And so eventually Mary gets killed. But her son, James the Sixth of Scotland, becomes James the First of England because he is the only heir to the throne. When Elizabeth dies, she, Elizabeth had no children and there is nobody else next in line. And so Mary's son, James, becomes king. This is the late 1500s. So we enter into the 1600s with the Stuart line on the throne and they go back and forth from being Catholic to Protestant. And basically the entire 17th century is wrought with religious turmoil and this entire island of England, Scotland, and Ireland are in a civil war. And it's largely over religion, but more so over whose side you're on based on the religious affiliation you have. So this leads us to 1648, 49 or so, when Charles I, who is, I guess, Mary's grandson, he's on the throne, and he's been basically ecumenical, couldn't care less about the Catholics and the Protestants, uh, which the parliamentarians hate. And so under the rule of Oliver Cromwell, he is beheaded and the monarchy comes to an end. It's a brief end, but for a while, uh, England is ruled by a parliament, Republican country. And so Oliver Cromwell begins to get rid of all forms of Catholic heritage. This is when all of the stained glass windows are ruined and the crown is destroyed. And he is now after the Scottish crown jewels, uh, the, the crown, the scepter, and the sword, because that's kind of the final piece of royalty that he can destroy. Well, when the Scottish Parliament catch, catches wind of Oliver Cromwell's plans, they get the castle out of, or the crown out of Edinburgh, and they bring it up to where I am sitting today. Dunneter Castle, which is actually where it was supposed to be guarded always in the first place and where oftentimes the king would be crowned here at Dunneter Castle. So here it comes and it's put in hiding. And in the meantime, all of Scotland falls to Cromwell. And so Dunneter Castle, this peninsula little thing out in the North Sea is the last remaining Scottish um, piece of land. And it's being defended, but as it looks like Cromwell and his army is going to lay siege to the castle, a plan is hatched to whisk the honors of Scotland, the regalia of Scotland outside of the castle. And it is done by a group of women. So the, the current Lord of the castle, George Ogilvy and his wife, Laura, 
uh, make a plan. And here is where the, the real details of the whole plan are sketchy. I've read so many different versions, but it is definitely a group of women, probably Laura, who is George's wife, who they're the ones left in control of the castle to defend it, hatch a plan with what we think is a servant of Laura's and Lindsay, who uh, is at the bottom of the castle and they drop the sword, scepter, and crown down the walls of the castle, and she catches it, and it wraps it in seaweed or some sort of farmer's wife-looking, you know, baskets, and takes it off and gets it into the hands of Christian or Christina Granger. We don't, I've read both names, so I'm not entirely sure if it's Christina or Christian Granger, but she is the wife of James Granger, who is um, over a church in not too close, kind of far away church, um, little parish church. And so Christina gets it to the church and she and her husband hide it under the flagstone beneath the altar of the church where it remains for eight years until Charles II can be crowned again and the monarchy is restored to Scotland and England. Cromwell is killed and we're back to a long succession of kings and queens of, of England, what becomes the UK as we know it today. But I have just loved that story. Here I am in this castle with so much rich history. And we watched Braveheart, you know, last week while we were here in Scotland. And of course, we know all about William Wallace and Robert the Bruce. And so many famous men are remembered and commemorated here in this land. But um, thanks to the women of Dunnetter Castle, the Scottish crown and sword and scepter can now be viewed in Edinburgh Castle. And has been used to crown royalty. It has been protected and is actually the last crown jewels of anywhere in, in the world. They are the oldest still remaining crown sword and scepter. Well, I wanted you to have the impact of the seagulls and the waves crashing up against the fierce rock and landscape of that place, but I hope you could hear all of the story through the wind. Um, that was making it really difficult to record. I think what I'm so impacted by with these women is their courage, their bravery to do what they believe is right in the face of extreme danger. And um, what patriotism, what um, courage they exhibited. And I, I just love that story. I so wish that there was some sort of plaque or statue or something that made it more well known to other visitors who come to Dunnetter Castle. I really had to dig to find all of those details. There are incredible stories of women throughout Scottish history, and I just would love to see Scotland um, honor them more than they have. But I hope it inspires you to look for the women in the places that you explore this summer. Um, if you would like to continue to follow along in the journey, I head to France next week and we'll spend the next three episodes telling you about the women I learned about in my journey into France. Thanks for listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. Podcast.